More troubling developments in China's real estate sector today to go along with what seem to be spillover impacts, direct impacts, or more direct impacts in global credit funding and even collateral indications. Some measures of those have tightened up in ways we haven't seen since March and April. But before we get to those, let's start with the big one or the one that we've been talking about all along, all along here, and that's the bellwether that is China's yuan. The yuan continues to weaken against the U.S. dollar, which is really the euro dollar system saying don't like what's going on in China and don't like the global potential global uh, fallout from it as it continues to play out and potentially become even more disorderly. That was the news today. Evergrande, um, Evergrande missed uh, one of its units missed a bond principal and interest payment inside of China. So spreading now inside of China. Hengda Real Estate Group, main, it's a, a mainland unit of, of, of Evergrande. Um, not only did it miss its principal interest payment, the parent company, Evergrande, decided it was going to cancel a creditor meeting. And in canceling the creditor meeting, that potentially leaves the entire company in the hands of a Hong Kong court and maybe a messy liquidation. As Bloomberg reported, China Evergrande canceled key creditor meetings that have been set for this week and said it must reassess its proposed restructuring, which is not good. The company faces an October 30th hearing at a Hong Kong court on a winding up petition, which could potentially force it into liquidation. As it gets forced into liquidation, potentially, that liquidation could be all sorts of disorderly, leading to spillover effects, not just Evergrande, not just China's real estate developers, but into Hong Kong and therefore maybe Japanese banks. And if Japanese banks, then U.S. dollar dealers, as I talked about in just at a video a couple days ago, dealers who are intermediating in FX swaps from euro dollar providers in Europe, non-banks domiciled everywhere. It's really difficult to separate and compartmentalize one part of the euro dollar system from another. So if we have more disorder and potential problems in China with its real estate problem, that could definitely lead to global risk off. And we're seeing again rising indications of exactly that, starting with CNY. CNY today was 731.20, which is again moving lower and lower. At the same time, the, the central parity or the midpoint was fixed higher and higher and higher. Going back to last Monday, the PBOC set the midpoint at 717.36, and then Tuesday, 717.33, and then Wednesday, 717.32, and then Thursday, 717.30, then Friday, 717.29, and then today, 717.27. So they keep pushing up a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time, even as the market value continues to go down a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time, to the point that today is the closest we have the market value to the 2% limit, the 2% daily limit that the Chinese authorities set from that midpoint. So from the midpoint, 2% down, that gets you 731.6, and we're at 731.2. Not really that much difference here. And so what, the, what that means is that China's authorities are really trying to get the, the yuan to go back higher because they know they know that it not only is it represent problems, it also is a signal to the rest of the world that there are more serious issues, money, macro, that relate to China but are not just limited to China. So we'll look at some of the spillover impacts in global credit funding and especially collateral. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. 
Yordal University has memberships and research subscriptions. Among the research subscriptions, I do a daily briefing where every day I talk about the day's most important, three most important macroeconomic developments, data points that come out. I give you what it is as well as my interpretation of it. And I also talk about the day's most important market and really curve movements, what they mean in the context of all the money and macro developments and all the information for this, the daily briefing, as well as the deep dive analysis and our memberships, that's at our, web, our website, eurodollar.university. So China's authorities, they're looking to stop Yuan slide, but are having a whole lot of trouble doing it because the Yuan is really just the expression of the euro dollar. And so the euro dollar is looking at China and saying, I'm not sure I want to, I don't, I'm not sure I want to be connected to it. So, because remember, we have Japanese banks that are borrowing usually from FX markets, but also in, in other forms of financing too, including issuing commercial paper to U.S. money market funds or U.S. dollar money market funds. They don't necessarily need to be in the U.S., but U.S. dollar money market funds that issue com buy commercial paper from Japanese banks that then relend the funds in longer term to Chinese corporates and Chinese banks and all sorts of stuff through Hong Kong. So we've got this connection between China to Japan, to US dollar dealers, to US dollar non-banks, to European banks that supply dollars to the dealers that are funnel dollars to the dealers. I mean, it's, it's a globally interconnected Euro dollar system. And again, I just went over all the FX part of this a couple of days ago in a video. But as China continues to get worse and worse and prospects of a disorderly unwind go up, risk aversion has to go up and has to account for all the potential unknowns here, as well as the unknown unknowns. There's a lot here that we don't know uh, about, not just Evergrande, but all of the other parties related to Evergrande and all the other wealth management and wholesale funding conduits in China that might be doing who knows what. So because of the information asymmetry, because of the, uh, the visible risks of a disorderly unwind, Risk aversion goes up, but it's not just risk aversion for China that's pushing CNY lower. It's risk aversion through all of these global dollar channels. Because if you're a US dollar dealer, whether a dealer or a US dollar provider, you're gonna look at this and say, you know what? I know that this is, this is an interconnected world. This is globally synchronized. The problems over in China, I don't really like the look of it. So maybe I'll just, I'll just pull back in my own activities. I'll just buy a bunch of safe liquid instruments because I'm not really sure I wanna, I don't wanna be at risk given the given what I can see and perceive and what I can't see and what I maybe not, maybe really don't know. I'll just pull back for the next couple months and just sit out whatever's going to happen. Because if something bad happens, I'll be on the sidelines, too bad for everyone else. But in doing so, as more risk becomes apparent in China, it leads to this growing defensive posture throughout the euro dollar system that we see in all of these potential signals, starting with China's yuan. Let's talk about some of the other signals, one that specifically relates to Japan and also is tied closely to collateral, and that's Japanese government bills. I talked about this before because at the end of August, we saw a sharp downturn or sharp spike in price, sharp downturn in yield for the three month Japanese government bill. But it wasn't specifically those final three days in August. If you go back to earlier, August 9th, you see the bill yield start to leak lower from around 9.8 basis points, negative 9.8 basis points to around minus 13 basis points by late August and then right off a cliff. 
September starts and the yield comes back up, but only part way to around minus 15 and a half basis points. And there it kind of sticks in, an, in a low negative rate until recently, and it started to leak down again. And that move is corroborated by the six-month bill that goes back to, once again, August 9th. That's a date that's going to keep coming up, ironically, because August 9th is the date when the, the anniversary for the Eurodollar breakdown. So that's probably unrelated, though. You never know. There's maybe some unknown seasonality here, too, because August 9th has repeated in various years uh, as well. But either way, just in 2023, Japanese government bills going lower, increased demand for your Japanese yen-denominated bills, which suggests dollar strains in uh, some part of the system as it relates to Japan. I've talked about this before in an, in an earlier video, how Japanese government bills like, connect to the global dollar system. But just for the, our purposes here, lower Japanese government bills, especially when they go sharply lower, that's an indication of stress as it might relate to Japanese banks who are relending dollars they get from U.S. dealers or U.S. money market funds or U.S. dollar money market funds relending to China. So from that, we might reasonably infer perceptions about risks with China. So U.S. dealers saying, I'm not sure I want to lend to Japan because I don't know how exposed Japan is and I have no idea how this China stuff is going to play out. It seems to continue to get worse and worse and worse. Let's flip to now from Japanese government bills to something somewhat related, not FX swaps, but interest rate swaps. And the interest rate swap market, US dollar interest rate swap markets, keep in mind these are SOFR swaps, not the LIBOR swaps we, we came to really depend upon before. But even now, the SOFR swaps have been sending the same sort of signal, going back to July 24th. So in a couple of weeks before August 9th, we saw in particular the U.S. dollar SOFR 10-year swap spread start to start to compress again. It's already negative and it got more negative. Remember, the swap spread takes the quoted fixed leg of the U.S. interest rate swap and compares it to the same maturity U.S. Treasury. The U.S. Treasury yield is supposed to be down here and the swap is supposed to be above it, but ever since 2008, they've been reversed. We have negative swap spreads, which I've talked about in previous videos too. But either way, a negative swap spread that is compressing, which means goes going even more negative, like Japanese government bill yields, that's not a good sign. It means dealers are constrained. It could also mean collateral is being looked at a second time and revalued. All the negative stuff we associate with euro dollar tightness. A negative swap spread is that. And so July 24th to August 8th, so a big compression in the 10-year U.S. dollar swap spread. Since August 8th, we've got sort of sideways and then a little bit lower as we get into September, um, really since the end of August. So August 28th, the 10-year spread was minus 25.3 basis points. And it's gotten down to around minus 30 basis points. So a pretty substantial leg lower in September. U.S. dollar swap spread, and that's corroborated to an extent by the 30-year swap spread, though that one hasn't moved as much, which might just be because it's SOFR rather than LIBOR. But either way, that one's slightly negative or slightly lower, getting more negative too. So Japanese government bills, U.S. dollar swap spreads. Now let's flip, flip over to Europe. The Italian to German government bond spread, which is closely correlated with problems in collateral especially the last half decade or so 2018 there was a big correlation between collateral problems in u.s dollars as well as uh, the germany italian spread again last year 2022 massively tight correlation between something like u.s dollar repo fails and this same spread and the reason is because 
Germany has this nasty habit, and this is sarcasm, Germany has this nasty habit of not issuing a lot of government bonds. So there isn't a lot of euro top quality euro denominated collateral. So at times, dealers will use Italian bonds because unlike Germans, there's a lot of Italian bonds out there. What? But Italian BTPs are not necessarily viewed the same as German bonds. So during periods of stress or macroeconomic uncertainty, you see those prices diverge where they start to become uh, they, they looked at very differently or somewhat differently. And so in 2022, for example, both Italian and German bond yields were rising, but Italian yields were rising a lot faster than the German counterparts, which meant the, the marketplace was looking at Italian bonds in particular and thinking those are more risky, which causes problems with collateral swaps from euro denominated uh, counterparties into US dollar denominated counterparties. Think about what I talked about in the FX video. But either way, it's an indication of problems that likely relate to collateral in the euro part of the global euro dollar system. What we've seen this year is that uh, Italian German spreads were relatively benign after around May 9th. They had been up around 195 basis point spread, which is a pretty substantial spread. And they were growing throughout the banking crisis or the initial stage of the banking crisis in March and April, as you would expect. Uncertainty again, macroeconomic uncertainty in Europe, plus the banking crisis, Credit Suisse. Not a good time for German uh, Italian to German spreads there. So that not a good time for collateral. But then late July again, we start to see the German-Italian spread or the Italian-German spread start to move higher again through August, especially the early part of August. Then it kind of went down at the end of part, at the later part of August, but then September, where it's kind of moving back higher again. So there is a correlation here between German to Italian spreads, US dollar interest rate swap spreads, Japanese government bond yields, government bill yields, excuse me. And behind all of those, China and CNY. They talk, all of these together indicate, first of all, collateral conditions might be tightening up, but more than that, dealer balance sheet constraints that are working their way through the euro dollar system targeting Japan, Asia, and China, which seems reasonable given everything that we've been talking about here. Because dealers don't want to provide dollars to Japanese banks to relend into China if China is going to be a mess and lead to problems in their Japanese counterparts. And there's also various feedback effects. The worse it gets for China's economy, for example, the more questionable it becomes for China's economy, the worse it's gonna be in Europe's economy. Because Europe's already in recession, it's looking like it's gonna get worse, and they can ill afford having one of its most, one of its key crucial trading partners continue to get worse and worse and worse. So that will increase the strain on Europe's economy as well as its financial system because there are quite a lot of direct financial ties between European firms and Asian as well as US dollar counterparts too. So it's again, it's all connected there. So rising Italian-German spreads, US dollar interest rate swap spread, that's a big one about collateral, so tied it together there too. US dollar interest rate swap spreads, also dealer constraints, that's the big one, especially the 10 and 30 year maturities. That's almost all about dealer constraints in addition to collateral. So dealers are suggesting they're taking money off the table, but not just about China and Asia, maybe in more broad fashion, which makes sense too, given everything that's gone on here, including the US banking 
crisis, which is not over. I want to give you one more indication here that's specifically about U.S. banks, and it times exactly to everything that we're talking about here. That's in the H8 data that the Federal Reserve provides every week, which is the aggregate balance sheets for all U.S. all US based commercial banks. What we see in the H8 data, specifically borrowings, is that ever since the week of August 9th, U.S. banks, in particular large U.S. banks, not small banks, but large banks, have been borrowing funds ever since that part in August, which raises a whole lot of questions. It would raise a whole lot of questions just in isolation, what's going on here, because banks should be repaying those borrowings if everything is fine, but instead they're going back and borrowing a higher liquidity cushion, which of course mainstream says that's about QT, nonsense. This is tied into with all these other uh, all these other indications. I mean, look at US dollar swap spreads, dealer constraints. All of a sudden the biggest banks are borrowing more liquidity raising a liquidity cushion ever since August 9th. Um, according to the H8 data, borrowings are up about $100 billion to $2.32 trillion. $100 billion is a lot here, uh, going ever since the week of August 9th. Cash balances are up about $118 billion. So as they're borrowing, they're not borrowing to pay back uh, loans. They're not borrowing to pay back or to... to uh, to retire securities or retire loans here, they're building up a cash defensive cash cushion at the same time we see all these other things develop across the global system. Swap spreads, Japanese government bills, Italian-German spreads, CNY, big banks in the U.S. raising cash cushions. Globally synchronized Eurodollar system that is experiencing increased problems and pressures which seem to relate or at least originate in China and its increasingly troubled real estate story. If you want to see that video I just did a couple of days ago on the FX part of the Eurodollar system, and I highly recommend you check that out, it's at the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. A huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, as well as our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.